0: I got to ask you, when we first met, what did you think of me?
1: I'll never forget. You walked in to the doctor's office and you and you had some like positive quote on a coffee cup, <laughs> <laughs> a cute little like handbag with like your MacBook and rolls going. You just sat down and I just remember like, I'm not going to like this girl. <laughs> I just know it. And we argued for probably a long time because I think I was just so like, nope, this girl doesn't get it. <laughs>
0: Oh man. I can just see it now like knowing the space you were into. You yeah. know, come like prancing in in my little colorful aura. <laughs> and well, and we had a rocky start, right? Yeah. Like initially, I think within 2 weeks of meeting you, I was a part of the team that pulled your sport clearance yeah. and you were suspended just because you weren't healthy enough to run. Mm-hmm. Which who would like me at that point?
1: Great first impression. <laughs> but
0: here we are, how many years later? 5, 6 yeah. years later. Yeah. And we just got back from California, ate some of the best sushi of our life. (laughs) And we're gonna talk about some amazing stuff today. Your story. Welcome to the Fuel Her Awesome Show, friends, where we dig into nutrition deeds that are actually helpful and we learn to be nicer to ourselves. I mean, think about it. Those things you say about your body, would you ever say them to your friend? I don't think so. (laughs) I am so glad you are here. I'm Jess, registered dietitian, juggling mama, work, and wife life amidst all the things. I used to spend an insane amount of energy hating on my body and lost in nutrition, but now I have way too much on my plate. I cannot afford to mistreat my body. And because I have a history of struggling with food, I know I have to be careful with how I approach my health goals. This is why I'm so passionate about empowered eating. Sister, in case you haven't heard it today, you are awesome, and I have resources for you beyond this podcast. Check out justbrownrd.com and take my body confidence workshop totally free. All right, grab a cup of coffee or two, (laughs) and let's fuel your awesome with empowered eating. Charlotte, I am so glad to be with you at this point in your journey and to have this discussion it has not come without struggle, but you have exemplified resiliency, strength, courage, and looked some of the toughest mental battles straight in the face. But for those that don't know who you are and what you're up to today, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now.
1: Well, Thanks for having mm-hmm. me. I'm so excited. Um, my name is Charlotte Prouse. I'm originally from London, Ontario in Canada. I was a former NCAA athlete. Um, where Jessica and I met at the University of New Mexico. And now I'm running professionally. And the goal is to make the 2023 uh, World Championships this summer in Budapest, and then ultimately training for the 2024 20- Olympic Games.
0: It's so cool. I know. And I just had the fun uh, task of running with you. And <laughs> I say that word lightly because <laughs> I was riding a bike really fast, actually, compared <laughs> <I barely> to <laughs> keep up with you. Yeah, I'm excited to see what's ahead for you. But Before we talk more about what's ahead, we want to talk a little bit about what's in the past few years, because you've been through a lot, and you have been one of these unique athletes that hasn't been afraid to talk about some of the stuff you've gone through. And you know me, with my background with eating disorders, I so appreciate that, because so many people don't talk about this stuff, Um, and I think you have a really unique role to inspire others and support others and encourage others who might be struggling so took a lot to get here. all that to say it took a lot to get here and I know that. Um, so take us back to when you first started struggling with food and yeah, what was it like for you?
1: Yeah I think um, you know I left home. I left the, you know having a massive support system from high school um, and just growing up in a relatively smaller city in Ontario and I think just sports in general in Canada are a lot different than they are here in the U S and I, you know, I moved across North America basically and started at the university of Washington. So it was, you know, thousands of miles away from my family. And, um, you know, I entered my freshman year, just really excited for an opportunity to, you know, run division one and Mm -hmm. do all the fun things that come along with that. And my first year went really well. I placed sixth at the world junior championships in Poland and, set a North American record and like felt like, okay, like this is, you know, where I'm meant to be and everything is working out. And I'd had a relatively smooth freshman year, like no injuries or anything like that. Mm. And I just felt like this shift in mentality that summer, like after the world championships, like heading into another year, you know, you're not a freshman anymore and the pressure just felt different. And I think for me, that way of coping with it was, you know, through controlling my food. And I felt that, expectations had shifted Mm -hmm. with myself with coaching and all that and I felt that I had to be perfect and Mm -hmm. my the environment I was in you know emphasized food and how you know if you're the thinner ideal and distance running especially and it kind of just spiraled from there Mm -hmm. like I remember the fall of my sophomore year like sending a message to one of the coaches at the time and just saying that like I was feeling really different surrounding Mm -hmm. food and I didn't really know what that meant. I just like something felt different Mm -hmm. and kind of from there, it just kind of, you know, festered and grew. And, you know, I ultimately went into a treatment program, um, like a PHP in Seattle that winter and ended up then transferring here to the university of New Mexico and kind of just was band-aid fixing myself through, Mm -hmm. you know, a six year NCAA career, which, you know, I, I did have success, but you know, transitioning then to wanting to run at a professional level, you just can't do that. And um I don't think I realized how exhausting it was for myself, for the people in my life, like relationships and all of that. Um until like I started truly like recovering and feeling better. And um Yeah, it it's been a whirlwind. I think I did not think my first year as like a professional athlete I wouldn't race at all. And I would basically be running the least I had run in years and years. But yeah, I mean, with you supporting me every step of the way, you know, we met, you know, four or five years ago now and mm-hmm. we alone have been through a lot. You know, you've stuck with me even when I didn't want to see you at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and now like we have an incredible relationship and I'm so grateful for that because I don't think I would be where I am now. And it's been such a team effort and I think that's what finally kind of helped me feel like I was in a safe place and in a supported place that I could actually Mm -hmm. like take care of myself and have people to lean on when like things got really, really hard.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I know it has, I've loved being in your corner. I always say that, you know, I just, I love being in your corner. You are such an amazing (coughs) human on the track, but mostly off the track. Like that's how I've known you. Most of our relationship has been off the track now. So I I love this because, you know, I've been working with you regularly, so I hear a lot of your story, but this is the first time I'm actually getting to sit down and Mm -hmm. hear you talk it through from start to finish. And so one of the things you said that I guess I hadn't quite realized is that when you started struggling with food, it was like the pressure, right? And like wanting to control Mm -hmm. something. Um, But it was like really insidious. Like you said, you didn't really know what was going on. Kind of reached out for help because you were like this doesn't feel right, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, I don't know what to do with it. Like, did you know you had an eating disorder at the time?
1: I think the first little bit I did not. I think just, Mm -hmm. you know, sports in a whole, I think there is such a thin line in terms of like eating disorder, disorder eating. And I think a lot of the times people don't really know the difference. And I think Mm -hmm. I was one of those people. Like I was told that, you know, It's more being committed to your sport and committed to wanting to be the best. And that's just the way distance running is for females is, you know, being really hyper aware of what you're eating and, you know, not eating a lot in order to, you know, I hate the word, but get fit. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think for like the first several months, you know, from that fall, my sophomore year in 2016, I think I felt it as like I was doing extra training. Like Mm. I was being so tough and resilient that I had the willpower to, Mm. you know, restrict in that regard. Like it felt like I was doing extra work and, um,
0: it it, made me encourage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like it made me feel like more confidence, which, Mm -hmm. you know, looking back now, like, I can't believe that I felt that way, but I think it is just so inherently tied into sport and, something that's just not really talked about it's so swept under the rug and um it probably wasn't until like I got really really sick towards the end of the season because I was having a lot of success early on like Mm -hmm. unfortunately most athletes do especially in distance running
0: yeah
1: um that I don't think I thought it was anything bad because I was getting positive reinforcement from it and then you know the last race of the season I ran terribly and I was super sick and um, that was the first time I also saw my parents that whole fall. Mm. And even to this day, like I'll never forget like the look on their face when they saw me. And so I think that kind of finally felt like, oh, like this isn't normal. And isn't then right? getting kind of thrown right into, you know, not going home for Christmas that year because I was, you know, being sent to a intensive PHP program in Seattle. So I think that finally was like, whoa, like this is not okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so for those that don't know what a PHP program is, can you talk to a little bit about what that is?
1: Yeah. So it was a partial, partial hospitalization mm-hmm. program. So, um, luckily for me, like I didn't have to stay on the premise, mm-hmm. like in the housing that they had, cause I lived like two blocks away from it. So I just, you know, got to go home to my apartment, which was somewhat nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I was there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. six days a week from about um, the end of November, right after American Thanksgiving to the start of March. So I was there for quite a long time. And originally I was told like, oh, you'll be there just over Christmas break and you'll come right back and it'll be like nothing ever happened and no one will ever need to know. And You know, at the time, that was something I was completely bought in on because I was like, okay, I'll check this box off Mm -hmm. and I'll go right back to where I was, where I left off. But, you know, mental health does not work that way. And so it was months of, you know, a treatment center, which unfortunately for me did not go really great. But I think, you know, ultimately it gave me a break from the, you know, NCAA running world at that time, which the state I was in, I did need.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so many layers here, right? Like there's the, you actually started doing a little bit better at first. Mm -hmm. And then you like got that positive reinforcement. Then all of a sudden you started doing poorly, but didn't quite connect the dots. And then all of a sudden your parents see you and they're like, okay, maybe this is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But you had said earlier, there's two things. Like one, you said you band-aided a lot of it through your NCAA career. And then two, you had mentioned that it's this fine line in the running world. And I think like in most athletic worlds where it's like healthy eating, are we doing it, you know, in a healthy way and some it's not black or white. Right. Mm. So I'm just kind of curious, like, as you moved through this, when did you start to shift to like, okay, I, I can't can't band-aid this anymore and I have to really start working on this. When do you think that shift started to happen?
1: I think probably after like my NCAA career ended. So June of 2021, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I missed making the Olympic team by a couple of milliseconds, basically. And I think I felt like that was a sign in terms of like, there's something that isn't working. If you're that close, like it's now all the little things that you're not doing. And I mean, the fueling thing was a massive thing I wasn't doing. So I think that was a big part of it. But as well, like I had more time in terms of, you know, I don't feel that I have to be ready for three seasons out of the year and always performing. Mm -hmm. And as well, I think, you know, working with you, our relationship was so great. And then we started working with who I'm coached with now, Terry. And having him like really emphasize it was also the first time I'd ever had that from a coach who was fully bought into it, was going to have.
0: Like the fueling aspect. Yeah, no
1: shenanigans. Like it was, no, we're doing this and you don't have a choice and not in a negative way it was just like whoa like I haven't had this and I think it just felt different
0: yeah so what were some of like the food rules that you were you learned early on in the sport whether they were said directly or it was Mm -hmm. more of like a indirect interpretation but what were some of those like quote healthy eating things that turned into something disordered do you remember any of them
1: yeah like I think It was subtle at first. Like, I just remember people would say like, oh, like they don't eat anything what they categorize as unhealthy during the Mm -hmm. competitive season. So no desserts and things like that. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, we would, could only have one plate at the dining hall we ate at.
0: Oh, geez. Really? Yeah.
1: Or like, you know, who had the least amount of food on their plate or, you know, trying to eat and feel as light as possible. And
0: um, Which is major, I mean, obviously, I'm like, yeah, the Major red flags, yeah. I know. Like, solid now that I'm thinking, I'm
1: like, oh my goodness. <laughs> or, yeah, it's just, like, little inherent things that, like, I don't think about, like, didn't think about at the time. Or just, like, really passive comments that, you know, people would make and coaches and stuff like that. I think it was just so embedded that, at the time, I just thought that was normal. And now that I'm, like, kind of out of it, I'm like, oh my goodness, I couldn't imagine like putting myself back in that situation. But yeah, there's a, some, I remember hearing like you wouldn't put piss in a Ferrari. Like that's just something that like, I think has always sat with me of like, I think there's taking care of your body, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, But it's also, you should be able to enjoy yourself as well. I mean, we're working super hard every day. (laughs) I don't think having something, that you know society or whatever deems as unhealthy you know every, once a day or every couple of days or whatever is going to be bad i think you know, moderation is important, but moderation of moderation is also very important. Oh, so. amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
0: completely agree. Well, and I think the major problem, especially with someone in the sport you're in, is like you guys are expending so mm-hmm. many calories, right? Yeah. So much energy is going out that a lot of times to meet those energy demands, things like ice cream at the end of the night are yeah. wonderful, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's make some milkshakes, mm-hmm. which I know we've talked yeah. about. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, it's the more I've like learned now and like gotten to a better place. Like I'm like, wow, like my body actually needs so much more than I even thought was like Mm -hmm. a lot, you know, two years ago. And like now we've kind of been able to, you know, transition into more of like sports specific stuff Mm -hmm. for me. Like it's no longer just like about, you know, recovery eating. I think it's like it. Still, mind boggles me how much like food and just everything that as a distance runner I need, which makes sense because it's like yeah, if I'm out there for an hour, two hours every single day, that does take a lot of
0: yeah fuel. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> I mean, where do you think that message comes from? Because you're right, it is it's like this undertone, and mm-hmm. it's not just in the sport world, right? Like it's everywhere. I know yeah. even at the gym I go to, I, we have great people at our facility, and I'm really grateful the coaches don't subscribe to that like eat less but I just I know like a lot of gyms you walk into it's like there is still that undertone
1: yeah it's I think you know as females in life it's definitely pushed and then I don't know what it is about distance running specifically like where that started but I do think you know in the past the thin ideal and the thin body type of a distance runner people thought of as like, it's less to carry over long distance. Mm. So it's not going to, you know, tire you out, you know, longer in a race. And it's going to just, you're going to be more efficient. You're going to be quicker. And I think that's just like, even a stereotype of distance runners, like people will see us like at a training camp, like, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, you look like a distance runner. And mm. it's just that is so ingrained in the sport. So everyone wants to be look smaller. like a distance runner. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be someone who's mistaken not for that, even though it's, you know, it's not a big deal. You're still a distance runner, even if, you know, you don't look like the stereotype of it. It's
0: all about the what, how fast you can actually cross that finish line. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. But I think you're right. So it's almost like in our culture, we have that underlying tone of being smaller, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just kind of there. But now in the distance world, it's amplified. Yeah. And it's even stronger, which, I mean, makes sense why when they run the statistics on people with eating disorders, like the percentages are higher in more physique-focused sports like distance running or gymnastics yeah. than they are general populations.
1: Well, as well, like as a dist- distance runner, you're running around in little, basically underwear and yeah, bra, right? so it's like <laughs> that. Also, yeah, I'm sure hide. has you know a massive impact for people as well.
0: Absolutely. Now, when you started making this shift, and you said June, July, 2021, mm-hmm. what were some of the first steps you started taking?
1: I think. After, like, not making the Olympics, like, I just, I did feel really, really deflated. And I think I needed a little bit of time to be super sad. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, seeking out a coaching situation that I felt like was going to be positive Mm -hmm. for me, not just in my, you know, on the track workouts and things like that, but more for myself as like a whole person and especially with fueling because I always felt like, That was something I just wasn't doing. And Mm -hmm. I think I lied to myself for a really long time that, you know, oh, I'll do it after this. I'll do it after I make the Olympics. I'll do it after I, you know, sign a contract and all these things. And I felt like it was like, there's never going to be a right time. And not having, you know, accomplished my goal, which, you know, you wait four years and, you know, with COVID five to do. I was like, there's no more time to wait and like this is the moment and I think as well I pushed you know taking it seriously and you know pushing you back being like yeah we'll just we'll do it later we'll do it later like I'm just waiting for the moment where I'm like ready to do it and like I remember you saying like there is never a right moment and yeah I think after having kind of that big upset of something I waited so long to accomplish not happen I think it kind of felt like okay, we have now three years to get ready for the next Olympic cycle. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of now or never.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, in in a way, it almost sounds like it took the immediate pressure off, right? Like, you Mm -hmm. didn't, which I know at the time was devastating. Yeah. It was devastating. But I love hearing you on this end of it going, okay, well, it happened. And here's what I'm going to do with the next four years. Mm -hmm. And, And you really have shifted. I mean, we just got back from our week in california Mm -hmm. which was so cool because it's your training camp and we were out there this year and we had gone last year too Mm -hmm. and like i told you this earlier like the charlotte i was eating with this year is a different charlotte (laughs) compared to last year which has been really really cool to see now what are some of the physical differences you have felt since you started fueling and moving more towards like performance nutrition instead of um disordered eating
1: Yeah, I think just, like, recovery has felt so much better, like, in my training. Like, I don't feel just as depleted all the time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I did until, like, I got to this point. I'm like, wow, like, I feel so much better in workouts. Like, I'm having the best workouts that I've ever had. And consistently, where I felt, you know, sometimes I'd have, you know, a week of really good training. And then, you know, kind of feel not great for a week or two. And Mm -hmm. it kind of swung more whereas now like through this winter like I was having you know months of consistency of having really really incredible workouts which always feels great and is such a positive reinforcement but also just like feeling that I feel really strong Mm -hmm. in those like I'm not feeling like I'm leaving it with my soul left out on the track (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah just even like people that I know and really feel safe around like saying like you just look so strong and so That's much cool. more like full of life. And I think that just feels really nice to like hear because you know, it's sometimes I don't believe myself and I'm like, well, like maybe it's not true, but then it, like, it's always nice to have sure. you know, reinsurance from people around you. Um, which I think has been really, really nice just to kind of feel
0: It's working. Yeah, yeah. I have to ask you this: Do you ever feel like you are eating and fueling now, and you feel better after a workout? And then you are like, "Well, I feel dumb because I should have figured this out a long time ago." That when you eat, you feel better in a workout. Do you ever feel like that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think there are moments where I am like, "It's not that hard." Like, it's not that hard. (laughs) It's eating at the end of the day. But then I think I remember like how much those moments have grown me into the person i am like there are people who have been like oh would you relive that again and or would you make any changes to you know the past and obviously like i would love to not live through you know traumatic experiences again Mm -hmm. but i think at the end of the day like i feel content in what has happened i think i wouldn't be where i am today like i could be worse off i maybe be better off but at the end of the day like i do feel that I needed to go through those things to, you know, get to the person I am today. And, um, I've, I still met so many great people and learned a lot and got to travel and see a lot of things. So, um,
0: I love that because I'm not hearing shame mm -hmm. in it. And the reason I asked that is because I have a lot of people that are kind of at that point where they're starting to move yeah, you know, maybe they had a full blown eating disorder or maybe they just have some disordered eating where they dabbled in, but they start implementing some fueling targets, right? Mm-hmm we have a, we eat before we work out, we eat after workout and they feel better, but they have this like whole like shame cloak they put on where they're like, well, this is dumb. I should have figured this out a long time ago. But I love hearing you say that. Cause what you're saying is like, well, yeah, I mean, sometimes it is like that simple, but it's not in the moment mm-hmm. and you've given yourself so much grace and this is new. Like you didn't yeah. give yourself this yeah. a while, I mean, a year and a half, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think From this end, that's been a key shift in your mentality is, like, instead of judging yourself every step of the way, whether, you know, you you were fueling right or you were fueling on the eating disorder side, like, it was – you've shifted to, like, this, this like, posture of grace towards Mm -hmm. yourself where it's, like, I am who I am. I'm at peace with that, and I'm going to do the best with what I've been given.
1: Yeah. I mean, I owe you a lot for that because I think – I mean, I remember last year this time, like, you were suggesting – this Brene Brown book to read. And I think like that really resonated with me at the time. Like it was talking a lot about shame regarding mental health, which Mm -hmm. is definitely something I always felt. Like I felt embarrassed if people had found out I went to a PHP clinic and I felt embarrassed that when I left it, I was not better. And then Mm. I transferred to school and I still wasn't better. And, you know, I started running professionally and I still wasn't better. Like I felt really embarrassed about that. Mm And embarrassed that everyone kind of in the running world knew that and acted like I didn't think they did. Yeah. (laughs) And so I felt and I think that really affected me for a really long time. But I remember reading the book and it talks about how like the shame surrounding mental health is so unfortunate because it instead could be used as like a way of connecting Mm -hmm. through being vulnerable with people Mm -hmm. and I think that was something that you definitely have pushed for me to like feel better about and just giving myself like that opportunity to instead use it as a positive to like connect with people like with you and your family and like Mm -hmm. people you've introduced me to and as well just like with myself at a lot of times like I think I felt really ashamed and embarrassed for being someone who struggled with an eating disorder in distance running because I felt like I contributed to that stigma and Mm -hmm. that kind of issue that is already so prevalent in the sport.
0: So good, so (laughs) good. Yeah, you're really rising above it and choosing to be different, which is not easy Mm -hmm. in your realm because it's not some well first of all eating disorders as a whole are pretty taboo yeah you know it's funny how like i actually talk about it you know this very openly Mm -hmm. about my past but it's i'm comfortable doing it because i I do it so much Mm -hmm. but sometimes when i say it like people's faces kind of oh yeah when i'm like oh i had an eating disorder they're like what like you're just throwing that out there (laughs) it is it's hard to do but especially in your world where you know that label can be something that people are judgy for, mm-hmm. or it, that can be something that's, you know, potentially impacting your career or what's next for you, but you're working to change that narrative, which is so cool. So I'm kind of curious, like you coming out and being more public about mm-hmm. your struggles, what are you hoping some of those other runners out there? Cause you know, you're not alone, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are you hoping some of them hear?
1: I think just that it's okay to ask for help And as well, if the help you are receiving isn't working, to ask for something else. Like, I think that was something that I didn't do early enough on. Like, I felt that I kind of had to check boxes for other people, and it was hurting me even more. Mm -hmm. Like, going to the treatment center was me checking a box because I wanted to just have a seamless transition, you know, back to. The team And I didn't want anyone to know. And so that felt like, oh, yeah, this is what's being suggested. Of course, I'll do it. Like, no questions asked. And, like, I struggled through it and was so much worse when I left. And I think I wish I had had the support to feel that it was okay to say, hey, like, this isn't working. And not that I didn't want to get better, but I wanted to do it in a way that I felt like was actually getting to the root of the issue. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was solving an experiment in a vacuum a lot of the time mm-hmm. when I was there, like I was being removed from, you know, the pressures of running at the NCAA level, as well as being in the environment of the team and the mm-hmm. culture and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then I was expected to go right back. Like nothing had happened well, and not,
0: talking to and not about talk it. about
1: it. And yeah. like, it was, it felt like I was going from you know, zero to a hundred. And like, I was expected to be able to know how to handle that where when I was in treatment, there wasn't any of that. And so I think I wish I had advocated better for myself and as well felt that I had better support to do so. Sure.
0: Well, it truly does take a community. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what, at least like the folks I work with don't like to hear because Mm -hmm. they're so embarrassed of it, Mm -hmm. but it does. I mean, I think of you know, not just my eating disorder, but anything I struggle with in life. When I try to do it on my own, I, I keep screwing it up. But yeah. when I invite people in and I'm like, I'm struggling with this. You know, my family and trusted parties, it's like all of a sudden I could actually make steps forward. Yeah. And I think eating disorders are no different. But the trouble is it's hard to say out loud.
1: Oh, yeah. I think you know, even at first, like the first few years, I didn't talk about, you know, going to treatment, anything like that. I
0: remember that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Like I did not bring it up. And now like, you know, it's a part of who I am and part Mm -hmm. of my story. But yeah, I think that I feel very lucky that I have such a great support system now. And I think for the first few months of it, I needed that type of support almost to hold myself accountable as one portion. But I think there was a time where... I didn't really understand why people put so much confidence and support in me. Like I felt like a burden and it was, I didn't really get why people were trying to help me so mm. much. Um, That's
0: a lot of the shame stuff, yeah. right?
1: And so like, it honestly helped me do it more for like the people that I had in my life, like for you and Terry and Kendra. And I think like that made me feel like safe. Like if I couldn't hold it for myself, like hold the space, like, I was able to hold it for you guys because, Mm -hmm. you know, I cared so much about you guys. Mm -hmm. I still do, obviously. (laughs) Um,
0: And we care about you, Charlotte. It's right there. Yeah,
1: but at that time, like, I wasn't holding the space for myself. And so it kind of gave that placeholder. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, made the room so when I was, like, in a better place, I could be there right with you guys.
0: All I always say, too, it's like borrowing hope. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because it wasn't so much, like, to please us, but it was like you knew we all genuinely cared about you and not just your success on the track, but like you as a human. Mm -hmm. Right. And I always said this to you, like whether you I'm here for you, whether you run professionally or Mm -hmm. you're going to do whatever's next, right? Like I'm here for Charlotte, whatever that looks like. But I think that's the part of the community piece. that's so important is like we have hard days. And so on those hard days, we have to be in an environment where we can borrow hope or borrow encouragement when we can't give it to ourselves.
1: Yeah. And especially in sport, like I felt like, if I tried to do that elsewhere mm-hmm. at different times, like when I was in school, like I kind of was more of a, an entity in terms of, you know, I'm here to do a job. I'm mm. here because I'm being, you know, my school's being paid for and things like that. And so I think I finally felt that ability to be like, these people care about me apart from Running. what I can score at an NCAA meet. Yeah. Yeah. That's the
0: whole identity thing, right? Mm-hmm. And- finding a deeper identity. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. Now, you just ran your first track race back in it. And Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, I watched it online and I cried like a baby (laughs) when you finished that race. Your smile was just something that, I told you this before, like it was so cool to see. And it wasn't, like for me watching you, it wasn't just about you finishing, right? It wasn't just crossing the finish line. It was like I have seen you put, I'm going to cry. <laughs> like, like I saw what you put into that to get mm. to that spot. And so, um, talk to me a little bit about what it felt like to be back on the track and be a different Charlotte out there.
1: Yeah. It was so fun. I think, you know, it wasn't any like big glamorous meet. Whereas I think in the past I'd be like, yeah, okay, job done on to the next. But that one just felt so different in so many different ways. I think, it was so exciting just being able to be there and like be back into an environment that like I love and also feel really supported by so many people. I think it felt like more of a team like was standing Mm -hmm. right behind me with me the whole way. And when I crossed the line, it was like, we did this as a group and, um, it felt like such a victory because I think for, you know, going 19 months of not racing, um, and taking such a step back was really scary. I think.
0: Yeah. You didn't know if you'd ever get back out. Yeah.
1: And if it would feel the same, I think that was such a narrative that I told myself for Mm -hmm. so long. And I think like being able to have that moment of like, no, like I knew this was the right decision. And this is the confirmation that I'm doing it the right way. And I'm doing it the way that's best for me, not just as a runner, but as a person. And like, getting to have that moment where, like, I knew you were watching. Mm-hmm. I knew Kendra and Terry and everyone was watching. Like, knowing that it was not just me out there, like, mm-hmm. made it feel so, so special. And, like, I could not stop smiling.
0: Oh, it was great. Said, <laughs> there's even a great photo, which I'm sure will link to this show, yeah. of you smiling afterwards. And and it's just the start, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've always told you, your story is just getting started. Yeah. Um, Now, I want to wrap it up with a quote. You and I are quote people, and Mm -hmm. you have a great one that you wanted to share with us today.
1: Yeah, so it's, finding yourself is not really how it works. You are not lost. Your true self is right there, buried under cultural conditioning, other people's opinions, and inaccurate conclusions you were told represent you. Your beliefs and all you see yourself as. Finding yourself is actually returning to yourself. It's unlearning and, and... excavation, remembering who you were before the world got its hands on you.
0: So good. So good, Charlotte. Well, I cannot wait to see what is next for you. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your story here today. And this will be the last we talk to you. I have no doubt. (laughs) Paris
1: 2024.
0: Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews, and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. For more info on how you can become an empowered eater, grab my free workshop on how to become confident in your body without obsessing over food at JessBrownRD.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.